0: The absolute number one benefit is that you start to, you, you feel able to start to like yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle. A random meeting in the street with my fabulous friendly neighbour Liz resulted in the creation of this podcast. Finding ourselves at the same stage of life, we've got to know each other over cups of tea and maybe something stronger on my sofa. With seven kids and stepkids between us, We've been around the block a bit and are now redefining ourselves in midlife as empty nesters. Join us on the sofa for a chat. There's always room for one more. So hi, welcome to Two Women Chatting. I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. And we've been getting together with some friends and we've been talking a lot about alcohol, haven't we? Mm, yeah. um, and all of our chats about menopause have really revealed how alcohol impacts us so much during midlife usually for the worse. And so many women we talked to told us that the effects are much worse. You know, they can drink a lot less alcohol and they get really bad headaches really quickly. You get like that red rash or the brain fog and it's much worse since they've been in midlife. Of course, weight gain doesn't help, does it? What weight gain? Yeah, not me. So we thought it was time we became sober curious. It's a bit of like a buzzword isn't it but sober curious just having a look at our relationship with alcohol and the wine glass and we don't necessarily need to give it up entirely or jump on the sober wagon but um just look at how much is you know the habit at six o'clock at night or just reaching for something to have it in your hand or whether we're becoming a little bit dependent and I don't know just how we can improve on our health
2: really yeah absolutely I as you know I've been reducing my alcohol content uh massively which is a really bad thing to say but you know it's it is a habit but I can honestly say not drinking as much there are some massive benefits just look at my skin I was just about to say you're literally you you didn't need to prompt me because honestly your skin is looking amazing oh, I I know Anyone I've out really there? seen it because how many weeks have you been it's about 2 months now I think to- You know, seriously, not drinking. You know, I've had—I'm not going to deny—I've had maybe sort of three or four glasses in the whole of that time, actually, and I haven't missed it. Mm. You know, my pivot point was was when we were searching for this this um, episode. It was just one of those sort of eureka moments for me that I understood what was causing my you know. Well, everything. It wasn't menopause. Well, yeah. brain, brain fog something that you always say yeah. about, well, yeah, and you can tell what. <laughs> but it's just you know what's happened. I was listening to um, a particular podcast, Alcohol Free Life. Yeah, yeah, you know, by Janie Lee Grace, and she was doing an interview, and it was all about how it affects your brain. And as you said, my brain fog has been the, probably the biggest issue. Mm. Um, it's really bothered you. Hasn't it has, it? and yes, I still forget things. But there's no way is it as bad as it was. So one of the things that usually makes it difficult is that it's so
1: boring to just say, I'll have a glass of water or drink some Coke or something. So Liz and I started trying out some alcohol-free alternatives and, like, let's face it, everybody, they used to be so awful, really, yeah, yeah. nothing like the real thing and really off-putting. And
2: of the colour of them as well. They, they, yeah. they look like sodas. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or they look like kids' drinks.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But we have tried out, how many, I don't know, about 10 or 11 different brands. Quite fun, got yeah. to say. Yeah. And, and weirdly giggly. Yep, so crazy. What was the? Well, you tried
2: one that made you sleep really wonderfully, didn't it? Fabulous because it's these botanicals in it, and I guess there's all these sort of Valeriums and whatever. I'm not quite expert. Valerian, valerian. There we go again. (laughs) Do I say valium? (laughs) <laughs> they help me breathe better. But, but in our
1: listeners' interests, we tried everything. We even took them um, to a little event of our friends, Tracy, yeah. a, a fashion event for Cabby. And we got everybody to try all these different sparkling wines. And we've been trying the liqueurs and the spirits and the like, the faux rums and so yeah. on. But we're not going to talk about that here because we've got so much else to get through. We've compiled a, a list of our favourites And we've put it on the website Haven't we Liz? We certainly have And we've even got you some listener offers So go and check that out And we promise you We'll be honest with our reviews Of what we really liked And there was one
2: that came out Oh my god I would absolutely drink that yeah. in a heartbeat But it's got nothing to do with price That's the that's the interesting thing Yeah We won't say which one it is But it, it does, it's not price It's just just yeah, Some are really better yummy. than others yeah. Yeah. Some are seriously dodgy I'll be honest Yeah <laughs>
1: So don't drink those. Anyway, it'll be on our website, www.twowomenchatting.com. Right. So going back, your pivot point Mm. was that podcast that you listened to. No, it it was. And it is one of those moments in my life that it's it's changed me. Yeah. Well, let's get Janie on. We're going to invite Janie Lee Grace on to join us on the sofa and talk about the Sober Club and her podcast, Alcohol-Free Life. So welcome to Janie. Thanks for joining us, Janie Lee Grace. I'm really intrigued because I see that you toured with Wham for three years. I'm so envious.
0: Yeah, my deep and distant past. Yeah, Want to talk about (laughs) that.
1: And you even made the UK singles chart with Cola Boy. You worked for BBC Radio London, then onto Virgin and finally ended up at BBC Radio 2, co-presenting alongside Steve Wright for 23 years. Fun fact, I was on the afternoon crew a couple of times, but we'll come back to that later, which is really weird. And you're also an author. You've written Happy Healthy Sober, inspiring others to look at their relationship with alcohol. You host your Alcohol-Free Life podcast, and you trained as an optimum health and well-being coach. And what I really loved, we both watched this, didn't we? The, The TEDx talk, Sobriety Rocks, Who Knew? And when you had a bit of spare time, you founded the Sober Club helping others to get a buzz without the booze. So um, your mantra is keep the ritual and change the ingredients, which I think is really fabulous. Mm. That's just such, such a simple rule to abide by. And you gave up drinking in January 2018 and you've never looked back, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Coming up to five years. That's amazing. What
1: was your trigger then for becoming sober at that time?
0: Well, I mean, I've been off and on for years. I mean, literally, you know, you mentioned these various things that I've done in the past, and um, I've been kind of working in natural health for years and years, probably at least 20. I've been running a, a site called Imperfectly Natural, where I don't sell anything, but I just make recommendations for holistic living. So I've been the one, you know, and you've pro- some people will have heard me on the radio banging on about kind of um, you know washing your clothes without chemicals and organic food and everything really I sometimes joke that I was um, you know kind of ahead of my time and talking about coconut oil and kale before they got their own publicists you know (laughs) (laughs) I was one of the first (laughs) Um, so I've always been really really into my kind of passion for holistic health and well-being and yet All of that time, I was stepping around this huge, great elephant in the room that was booze, Um, you know, and sort of one part of me thought, well, yes, of course, I'm in optimum health and eating really well and not putting chemicals on my skin. You know, isn't that great? But it's perfectly fine to have, you know, half a bottle of wine (laughs) pushing a bottle most nights. Doesn't everyone? And of course, the answer is a lot of people do and uh, I was caught up in that alcohol trap and so it went on for years and I stopped and I started again and stopped and started and on and on and on and on and eventually the, the finally the catalyst was that um, as part of our show the show that I was uh, on on radio Two, we were going to be interviewing an author who'd written a book on sobriety and um, as you will know when you're kind of working in that scene you're lucky if you get someone's book the night before but in this instance it was Christmas and so I was given two and a bit weeks to read the book and of course the second they put this book in my hand I knew (laughs) absolutely knew and that was it I figured you know I'll just I'll stop till this author comes in and then I'll see how it goes because it's dry January. And something clicked, you know, it was time. And um, thank God, you know, now my kind of, my only regret is I didn't do it sooner.
2: That's a great regret to have, isn't it? It's interesting that you said that it clicked because it clicked, that's what's happened to me. But it happened listening to your podcast in a taxi oh, wow, good. going to an airport in Turkey. It's clicked. Oh, and brilliant. I, and I, I, I was drinking far too much, as you, you, know, as you said, and, and the environment that I lived in and worked in. But it, is, it clicked, that's exactly.
0: Yeah, well, I think a lot of us go around the houses, we go around the block, we try it for a bit. And then, you know, a little voice in the head says, oh, well, you're doing all right now. So you can just have one now, you can moderate, you can be like normal people, you know, you won't have to miss out anymore. And then you just straight back down the slippery slope. And I think until you can just, something has to click, you have to finally get that piece that you are not missing anything. I mean, just to correct one tiny bit of your intro, which is very nice and perfect, (laughs) the only phrase to correct is when you said you gave up drinking. I never, ever use that expression. And I don't let anyone else either. I'm a really bossy. I never let anyone say that you're giving up because you're not giving up. So you can say ditching the booze, you can say quitting, but you can't say giving up because your unconscious mind thinks that you're having to let go of something that You really love, and and then you end up feeling deprived. So it's it's a subtle shift, but actually, it's really important because that's really the key.
1: Yeah, it's an important reframing of it, isn't it? Yeah, because when you
0: focus only on what you're gaining, you know, this is why you know your sober October and your dry January—they're great for raising awareness and for making people feel part part of a of a thing. But if people just kind of focus on what they're giving up, um, and count the days till they can drink again pointless absolutely pointless you really just need to focus purely on all the fabulousness that might come and might be there for you when you've you know got rid of the poison basically
1: and that's one of the things that I've heard you talk about that it is literally a poison that you're putting in your body and I don't think I'd heard about it described in such a sort of visceral way if you like but you're right it is a toxin it's a poison
0: I mean I, I I walk a really fine line between trying to do the positive piece. You know, I'm all about positive sobriety. Uh, you know, I don't talk an awful lot about the negativity and the going back. I try and focus, you know, on everything we're gaining. But I do think that if you want any kind of behavior change, you need both the logic and the kind of emotional piece. Obviously, you know, they say emotions, not logic, inspire action. So you've got to feel good about something. But you do need the logic as well, because the reality is most of us, certainly in the UK, We've been brainwashed into thinking that alcohol is good for us. I mean, God, I, I used to hang on to the every word of all those press reports, all those media reports that say, oh, a glass of red wine is good for the heart. It's absolute BS. It really is. You know. And you have to dig deep into this logic, into the actual reality and the actual facts. And when you do, you realize that alcohol has zero benefits. And of course, even one glass can be harmful. Like, why would it not? It is poison. I mean, of course, people tolerate it to different levels. I had a very high tolerance. But God knows what would have happened if I carried on. And when you don't need it, like, why would you? And Why would any of us? I mean, I just I still find it incredible that I used to, you know, drink way too much, feel really bad the next day and do it all again the next yeah, night. What the hell? You know, any of us, if we eat something that's bad for it, that, that makes us ill. We never eat. Avoid it again. that oyster. <laughs> never, we never seem to know. avoid the
1: chardonnay, even though it makes you yeah. feel rotten. Yeah.
0: I don't know where we were going with that, but but basically, yeah. It, it, getting the logic is really important. I did an interview not so long ago with um, an amazing clinical researcher who'd done. Um, a, a, she was a, a senior lead study on a on a clinical study around alcohol and its effects on aging and and whether it's harmful. And when I when I asked if she would be interviewed. I was fully expecting her to kind of go, you know, to do the usual thing of, of, of slightly beating back. But, well, you know, the studies are not com- absolutely conclusive because, you know, all of that nonsense. No, not at all. I don't know if you heard it. She was, was amazing. There,
1: um, that, that Anya was
2: Topiwala?
0: Yeah, Dr. Anya Topiwala. Unbelievable. She pulled no punches at all. She's a psychotherapist. She's a senior researcher on this amazing study, and she literally told it exactly as it was, and it's such powerful listening. You know, people need to hear that in schools. You know, before they 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 hear that, oh, everyone does it. Well, let's hear that then. That was the podcast that I plucked. Oh, plucked was it? All, Brilliant. I
2: literally, of all, I went, I
0: scrolled through,
2: and plucked that one out, and that was the one that made me decide to stop drinking. Mm. It, it was just incredible. And that's the one where she said that in the
1: study that it had been found in the scans that the brains were smaller. That, you know, when you mm. have alcohol, brains get smaller. There was a higher iron um, content okay. as well, which can potentially be linked to Alzheimer's. I mean, I don't think that research is, is uh, what would you call it, final, complete or whatever. But there is hints that Alzheimer's could be affected by the amount of iron in your brain. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think with any, with any of these things, it's very difficult to say, you know, if um, uh, mental illness, depression, all of these things are due to alcohol. I mean, that's just far too simplistic, but there's no doubt about it. Alcohol exacerbates all of these issues without a doubt. So
1: yeah, bringing that back to midlife and menopausal women drinking alcohol, Liz and I are always laughing about, you know, our brain fog is terrible, but your brain fog has been a bit better, hasn't it? Just by not drinking.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I wake up much, much, you know, I wouldn't say my brain is hundred percent there, like no, it used to be. And, I was, know yeah, no, and I'm terrible, <laughs> but I, I've noticed the difference. You know, I've only, it's only been what well, a month or so, um, and but I wake up and I can remember. That sounds really bad. You know what, why I'm here in the morning? It's you know some mornings I'd wake up and I go, "What day is it?" And I didn't even drink that much, but it's been over what thirty years, forty years drinking. It's built up in my brain, and, and it, it's taking time to clear.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this is where it's really important to kind of support your recovery, if you like, with really good nutrition, because the brain chemistry can be all over the shop to start with, you know, the dopamine and serotonin and the GABA. So you need just really good nutrients to, to help boost that and maybe some supplements. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you should absolutely feel like you've got more clarity. And, um, you know, people often say, oh, actually, I'm nervous of, of, of stopping drinking because there are things I don't want to have to look at. Like literally people get really nervous. They know that the alcohol has been the crutch that they can kind of numb out without having to focus on things that just feel too painful in their life. But the reality is you get so much more clarity and so much more resilience. So it doesn't mean all the bad stuff's going to miraculously go away, sadly, but it does mean you're able to deal with stuff on a completely different basis, really.
1: You mentioned supplements. I've never heard about using supplements when you stop drinking, that's really interesting. Like, so, what would you suggest to to smooth yeah, things? Yeah, I mean, over there's, there's
0: it, obviously it's difficult to say because there isn't really a one size fits all as with anything, but there are a bunch of things that everyone can benefit from. I think it's best to do it with food first. So I think you know, really good nutri- nutrient dense food is really important. Eating really well, and you need a bit of protein with every meal. You need the basics. You need good fats. You need obviously plenty of water, all those kind of basic things. And then I think you need, um, I mean, there's there's a, a great um, uh, liver support um, product that you can get, and most people have heard of things like milk thistle. Most people need magnesium. There's one that I recommend that is um, the absolute best, and it's the only one I've ever found that makes a massive difference because that helps with the, the mood and the anxiety and the sleep and the joint pain and the weird stuff that can happen after you stop drinking. drinking. <laughs> um, and then, you know, sometimes people look at things like L-theanine and th- there's a bunch of, of supplements. I You know, I talk about this a lot in the Sober Club because um, I think everything's recalibrating. You know, I've been drinking for 20 years or something. Um, everything kind of needs to readjust and you need to come from a different starting point as to how you're going to get that, that optimum wellness, really.
1: Well tell it you just mentioned the sober club there tell us a bit more about that how how big is that community now and you know what do you find that people say to you and react to when you're helping them come off the booze
0: yeah i think that um you know the sober i founded the sober club because i i realized that i wanted to kind of bring together the elements of the things that i'm passionate about so obviously one is encouraging people to stop drinking but the other is very much living your best life without the booze so you know, I realized that when people stop drinking, that's often the first time they've ever thought about, okay, right now I need to eat healthily. Now I'm going to actually think about what I'm putting on my skin and think about exercise and focus on meditation or whatever it might be. So in the Sober Club, we really do look at the whole picture. It really isn't just about, you know, stopping drinking, although that obviously is a part of it. And we have a, an online course, but we've got people who are, you know, on day one and people who have been sober for Longer than I have, you know, six, seven years. Um, so there's a real variety. I think what's really great is that there's so much amazing inspirational content. And then we're able to, we're just able to have this amazing, amazing kind of cheerleading of each other, really. And I think it's that support network that feels so exciting.
1: I'd agree with that, actually, because um, I messaged you and I was on a flight the other week. I was going to the States. And for the first time that I can ever remember, I didn't drink before, you know, in the lounge or anything. I didn't drink when I was on the flight. I felt ridiculously proud of myself. And part of the reason I always used to have a drink on a flight is because I was really nervous. I'm not a great flyer. I've got a lot better. But when when we touched down in the States, I felt so good about myself that I Of course. But, but what yeah. you're saying about that community support, I had podcasts on my headphones to listen to. I had um, Instagram accounts where I'd been like sassy, sober mums. She'll put up inspirational quotes and things like that. And I just thought, yeah, that's true. The more you talk about it and listen and read about it, the more empowered you feel to find strategies and tools to get you through the weaker moments, perhaps, when you think, oh, it's six o'clock. Mm, feels like a drink. And that's when the ritual comes in, isn't it? You can have a drink, just doesn't have to have alcohol in it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think as humans, you know, we want Uh, We seek pleasure, don't we? We want to make that kind of cut off between being at work or whatever and and relaxation time. And for many of us, that is a drink. And a cup of tea or, a you know, an orange juice just simply won't cut it. And why should it, you know? Why, Why not have a lovely glass just like everyone else has? It's crazy that something has to be called a wine glass. Why the hell does something have to be named by what goes in it? It's bonkers, you know. So just have a lovely glass and put something lovely in it. And I defy anyone not to be able to find something because, the choice in alcohol-free drinks as you know is unbelievable it's, it's huge and there is so much amazing choice out there so everyone can find something they like
1: they are so much better do you remember the ones I don't know 10 years ago we'd give it a go oh,
0: oh yeah it used to be God, awful didn't it yeah awesome. the wine was like vinegar and the beer was just vile yeah it's true but it, the market has changed massively and that's that's you know I mean all 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 hats off really to the to the both the the kind of the big guys you know you kind of Heineken's and Budweiser's of this world who've all got their 0% versions which by the way I think are doing even better than their regular beers which is amazing the market in terms of market growth and then you know all the kind of artisan brands that are doing these lovely botanical spirits and kombuchas you know it's it's amazing. Yeah as you said
1: if you're just standing there with a Diet Coke or a cup of tea or an orange juice you just feel like you're not quite part of that social, yeah. deprived.
0: Well, you're going to feel deprived, aren't you? You're going to have that FOMO, exactly, that fear of missing out.
1: Exactly. But what we were also looking at was the association in human terms of, you've had a bad day, I need a drink. I've got some bad news, sit down, you're going to need a drink. And even just looking for a birthday card the other day for my husband, I was in Marks and Spencers and Almost every card for men has got a pint or a wine glass or a cork. Mm. I mean, you're lucky if you can find something with golf golf clubs on it or something. But it's so... I know.
0: The marketing is immense. It is awful. Yeah, we've all just been sold to and brainwashed, really, into thinking it's completely normal, um, you know, and that, that we should all be... And, you know, for women, I mean, you know, we're told we need to be drinking along with the lads, and our body's not built that way. It's it's crazy, really, the way everyone's been brainwashed. And as you say, that sort of rite of passage thing—you try and buy a card for an eighteen-year-old, and there really isn't anything you know, for an eighteen-year-old boy that doesn't have booze on it.
2: We it's seem to celebrate equal champagne.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, and and commiserations, celebrations, commiserations, and everything in between—whether that's a play date or a freshers' week—you know, everything has to come wrapped in alcohol until it doesn't. Until you realize, you know what, actually it doesn't. Life goes on. There are plenty of people who don't drink. and There are plenty of people who, you know, who's recognized that life is so much better without it. That's the good thing is that, you know, the tide is turning.
1: Yeah, I think our kids are a lot better than us. I think our generation mm. is so um, so caught up in the, in Which the just, habit, yeah. the habit of drinking. But kids, yeah, they'll go out and they might get a bit blasted occasionally. But on the whole, they don't come home at night and have a gin and tonic.
0: No, I think a lot of millennials are um, a, lot, a lot brighter than we were. And there is, a, there is a lot of millennials who are choosing not to drink or they're, they're opting for mindful drinking. You know, it's a thing, yeah
1: and going back to so I with the Steve Wright show so I used to be a production assistant at radio 1 back in the day when when you must have been on the program because you were there from the very beginning no i wasn't on oh, radio sorry, 1 I no on, i was only we, on radio, we moved Two. To radio 2 didn't it steve Wright's show
0: yeah yeah no i i, I was only ever only i joined when steve started oh yeah at radio i wasn't Two, 20 yeah.
1: 20 years ago it's a bit <laughs> <long> <laughs> a bit longer <laughs> that's embarrassing <laughs> but i mean there was the bbc bar and like everybody would oh. head down to the bar at the end of the day
0: Oh, I know. I know. It's incredible, isn't it? It was such a workplace culture. I, I was working at BBC London, you know, before that. And and again, uh, well, and Virgin. And yeah, absolutely every lunchtime. In fact, l- it was lunchtime at Virgin Radio.
2: And you were yeah. events and publishing. Was that was long pub- lunches. Publishing, and- you went down to the wine bar at lunchtime. And there was sort of a hot, before the days of mobile phones, so there was a hotline to the, the, the phone on, on the bar. And one person went back to the office and the rest of us were there okay, we were brainstorming, we were working, being very creative. We were, but it was, if you didn't go, you were the odd one out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's huge pressure, I think, and that needs to change. Um, You know, um, some of the work that I do now is um, I help train um, people to become sober coaches, to work with people who want to, you know, stop drinking. And one of the women I'm working with, um, she is offering now Sessions in the Workplace, because she's recognized that uh, within the c- sort of corporation she works for, they offer all this. Lots of companies offer well, uh, well-being in the workplace sessions and they'll do, you know, stress relief and um, stop smoking and relationships and a whole raft of things. You know, they're such good employers, but they never touch booze you know so if someone rocks up with an issue around booze like, oh we'll just push that one over there and hope that that one goes away um so she's actually doing offering you know companies uh, an opportunity to get involved in this which is a fantastic idea and it absolutely needs to change
1: so how about in a nutshell can you name five fabulous benefits of giving up drink what would you say would be the five top things that you noticed
0: i mean there are there are just way too many to mention but i think um you have more, you absolutely have more clarity, more energy, you sleep better, not necessarily in the first few weeks, might take a little while, but then eventually when that kicks in, the difference is incredible. You um, give yourself the best chance of um, you know, being in optimum health. Now, that's not to say that your health is going to be perfect, but whatever little issues you may or may not have had will not be getting worse due to the alcohol. It will either stabilize them and help you manage or they'll get better I mean and certainly if you're a woman of a certain age alcohol and the menopause do not mix so you are certainly giving yourself the benefit of being in better health as you as you as you age Um, I don't know how many that is Uh, sober hair you know who knew your hair gets shiny Uh, better eyesight that actually happened for me I mean I could not believe it actually reduced a diopter as they call it in Contact lens, the strength of contact lenses that I needed. Um, and, then, and then really, you know, the absolute number one benefit is that you start to, you, you feel able to start to like yourself. You know, and I'm not getting completely woo-woo and, oh, you start, you love yourself instantly. No, you don't. But you can start to become who you really are. And from that place, you can actually start to like yourself. And that's huge because most women don't (laughs) the reality is what lies behind pretty much everything is that we don't like ourselves very much we just we you know we we're very nice to other people we're very kind we're charming to our friends but actually when we look in the mirror and it's not only about looks we say some pretty mean stuff about ourselves when you stop drinking you can quit with that nonsense
1: that is such a good point. I mean, especially for midlife women, when we start to feel a bit invisible, we put on a bit of weight, we're feeling just less attractive. And you're right, if we weaponize what we've got by feeling more clarity and more positive about ourselves, it's only going to have good knock-on effects, isn't it, really?
0: Yeah, completely. Yeah, There's, but I could less loads so, more. <laughs> do, you,
2: so do you mind if I ask you about the sleep again? Because I am really struggling with sleep. That's the one...
0: So sleep can be really, really difficult because you probably for years have been kind of zonking out. You know, you might have thought you had good sleep, but you were probably just zonking out. So your body has got to recalibrate and learn a whole new way of, of being able to relax. So, I mean, there's a few obvious things I'd say that, that everyone will tell you the, the the sleep hygiene stuff the obvious stuff you know make sure your room's cool and don't have your phone by your bed you know get an old-fashioned alarm clock that kind of thing make sure you've wound down don't be on computers you know for at least an hour before you go to bed all of that stuff's fairly obvious but then what's really good I think is if you um we have a few little sessions in the sober Club where we talk through certain little mantras that you can use where you literally kind of tell your unconscious mind that now it's the day's ended and now it 's time to rest rather than what we normally do. We just kind of fall into bed effing and blinding, "Oh my God." hell this and i've got to get up in a few hours and we kind of tell our unconscious mind everything's terrible and then wonder why we have a terrible night's sleep so there's some things we can do just to calm ourselves down um and then one of the absolute top tips if you're early weeks which you are is to take some of the magnesium that i recommend i'll send you the link because there isn't really anything else that does it um that will be the absolute top top tip also have a bath with um you know, essential oils and magnesium salts or Epsom salts. It's very relaxing. Um, and, and be patient because it will come, uh, it will, but it can take a while. It really can. It took me ages. And then when I'd gone through that awful stage of not being able to sleep, then all of a sudden I couldn't do anything but sleep. And I started to think, oh, my God, there's something really wrong with me here. It just takes some, t- some adjusting. I mean, if you've been, been drinking for this amount of years, look, look what your body's been having to process you know, physically and emotionally. as a hell of a lot of adjustment to do. But you'll you'll get there and it's so worth it. Brilliant.
2: Thank you. I like the fact that you say about not giving up. Mm. It's reframing. It, it's it, cause some, Giving up means you're giving up something. It's a, it's a negative. It's depriving. You're mm. not giving up. You're just changing.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. just,
2: you know, recentering your life. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And no, that's why like. yeah.
1: she's very inspirational, isn't she? Very. And we've got more inspiration coming from sobriety coaches Mandy Manners and Kate Bailey. Kate Bailey runs um Love Sober and Mandy Manners is a sobriety coach. So Mandy and Kate really bring the science behind why it's not a bad idea to evaluate your relationship with alcohol. And they use inspiration from the seasons, which I think is really different. Yeah, because seasons affect us. Especially, I think, women more than men, particularly. I think, you know, they definitely affect us. Well, yeah, how much dark there is, how much light Light, there is, how we feel, whether we're, you know, sweated up or we're wearing flip-flops. So let's ask Kate and Mandy a little bit more
2: about how they approach it. So, Kate. With, with the book, I was reading it last week. It was really, really interesting. Um, it's so positive. Uh, but what made you decide to make it sort of seasonal? Mm, yes.
3: Well, it's, it's interesting. But as we go along, you know, Mandy mentioned that we've been, you know, involved in this work for quite some years now. and We've also been uh, alcohol-free ourselves for, for about, you know, going on for eight, eight years, I think, on the sober path now. And what we found is, you know, in that, those first, um, you know, few, few days, weeks, months, what people are doing is very much getting that kind of early habit change, the muscle of early habit change sort of, it feels quite an effort. Now, happily, as we go longer, it starts to feel much more automatic now, there is a little danger that there that you can just think, oh, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I've cracked it. And then a lot of people kind of go back to drinking and they go, oh, my God, I feel really bad again. Or, you know, they return to a, a problematic relationship. And so what we what we noticed in ourselves and the clients that we worked with, is you get this kind of beautiful sort of, it's almost like it, rather than a, a downward spiral, a virtuous kind of upward spiral and an expansion. You know, we always say that when drinking becomes problematic, it feels quite narrow. You're, you're thinking about it a lot. It's taking up quite a lot of space. So, yeah, so it sort of opens up and we just became more and more aware of general well-being, sort of positive Uh, psychology, the things that make us feel good. And it felt very much like a, a well-being approach. And part of that is the fact that we are, well, we're human animals. And we are season. We are seasonal beasts, you know, we all have that, you know, the energy of the summer, or then we go a little bit, you know, into ourselves in the autumn, um, we can get really depleted in the winter. You know, it's kind of like ancient wisdoms, if you like. And we really felt like this, the seasonal, every time we went through a season, the need for self-care needed to adjust, the kinds of care package.
1: Self-care that you mention a lot, pretty much every season you come back to that as well. And You know, Liz and I are big advocates of self-care and finding some me time. That was one of the things that I noticed every season. um, And I I always say this wrong. I even narrated a book about it, but I can still still not say it. And I love that, that you return to the simple things like a bubble bath or a walk in the woods or just, you know, getting out there with a bit of nature. And of course, that does fluctuate with your seasons, doesn't it? You know, whether you're out in the snow in January or you, the crunch of autumn leaves. And I really like that sort of visual feel that sort of brought me along like a companion through the year. It's sort of a bit of handholding in a way, the journal approach.
4: Yeah. And I, intentionally, because I think a lot of certainly women, we work mostly with women and women do tend to have this relationship with wine and it becomes quite important in sense of a treat or in sense of a companion as you say it you know it's that kind of like something that feels special to me and we can become quite guarded around that and so we wanted to create something that was beautiful and was like a gift and was something that could just hold you in that space because it's a big change and we don't want you to be living in a space of deprivation where it's like I can't do that thing I want to do that thing but I can't do that thing we want to take you on a journey to be like, wow, isn't life magical when I can really be present in it and not miss anything? And, you know, that's certainly been our experience. Yes, we feel the bad things a bit and they they hurt a little, but, you know, we're really present and in our lives. And actually, when I was drinking, as Kate said, life got very narrow and very numb and very Bland, Um, and actually, people don't realise that when you take alcohol out the picture, it actually opens you up to living life vibrantly. You know, we call it life in HD, in the sense you're really in your life, and you get to, you know, have the mornings, you get to have the evenings, you get to really kind of richly kind of feel your experiences. And so, intentionally, we wanted to kind of guide people through each of those experiences with the book.
2: So, you mentioned in the book, is it GABA, which stimulates relaxation? What you get alcohol can mimic it how can you actually get that naturally
3: so there's various ways you can get it you can get it through some kind of foods like almonds um oats porridge oats so you can actually get it through some foods you can also get it it's that sort of yeah it's a neurotransmitter that very much it's almost like putting the brake on the go 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 so it really helps us to sort of calm ourselves and we can do it by sort of gentle um Cross-body things, like actually knitting. <laughs> I'm not saying everyone's got to go and take up a knitting habit, but knitting, anything across the body. Um, yoga is really good for all the neurotransmitters, depending on which type you do. Walking in nature, that kind of slow, if you think more like slow rhythmical, you're going to want to just soothe your nervous system, anything the sigh, you know, you're looking for that kind of something that gives you a Oh, I'm dropping into that, that sort of relaxation, that sort of gabber at work. Here's um, So most of our
1: listeners, are, most of them are midlife. A lot of them are empty nested. So here's a, a bit of a seasonal trigger, um, end of August, beginning of September, as your kids may be leaving for college or university. And, of course, when they leave, they're leaving behind a gap, a void that's very easy to fill in perhaps uh, – less than good ways because you're not picking the kids up from school. So maybe you could have a drink at lunchtime. You don't have to make sure that they're eating or doing their homework or going to, you know, any kind of practice. So I think a lot of women in midlife and as they face the prospect of empty nesting can feel that void and um, can, and Bulldom. loneliness Bulldom. and yeah. sort of directionless yeah. <laughs> What I mean, what would you say is the best thing for combating for combating that kind of uh, feeling in your
4: life? Yeah, it's a really good point, and and another thing I'd like to add in, and I know Kate's m- more of the specialist on this side, but it is the, the the menopause side of things and the hormonal shifts that are happening for women through that period too. So so yeah, so it, um, the you know, unfortunately, suicide rates in that that area of women are very high um you know drinking problematic drinking in women of that age is significantly higher um, because of all these cumulative effects so um, yeah i think one thing is, is look is keeping to have conversations about it and you know raising awareness that that's kind of you know alcohol is fuel on the fire of, of a very kind of disruptive and dysregulated nervous system and hormonal system anyway. Um, And, you know, so looking after women's healthcare is really important at that point. Um, And I think a a lot of our work is around finding things that bring you joy, purpose. um, So, you know, community, You know, where can you seek out social settings with people? So, you know, joining a club or like starting a hobby or, you know, going for, yeah, donating some time to to local people, you know, creating those connections, I think is really important.
1: I one of you in a partnership has decided to take the sober route or at least cut back a great deal. But the other one maybe does not want to. Welcome to both our lives, yes. How do you handle
4: that? Um, Well, I'm married to a Frenchman. um, So I live in France, have done for the last... 16 years. So we have a wine cellar in our house. Um, so my husband is pretty attached to <laughs> cultural experiences with red wine. I think it's a lot of honest conversations. It's a lot of, you know, I think at the beginning, I don't think I got it very right. I think I tried to make everything the same. And, you know, it was just like, nothing has to change. I'll just do this. Um, but that was very difficult because, you know, then I was being constantly put in situations which were full of alcohol. Well, culturally, that
1: must have been very different in France. Very difficult to, to navigate, I would imagine. And possibly even people looked at you as they do to many people who are deciding not to drink like, oh, you've got a problem.
4: Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's different. Yeah. In France, it's, it's kind of culturally offensive <laughs> not to drink in a sense of, whereas the UK is as well like people will take offense but it's it's more of the festive like don't you want to have fun side whereas in france it's very much like but this is a beautiful product why would you not you know have some kind of thing um but i think what we've done over the years is just to i don't i don't need him to change he doesn't need to do anything, but he does need to respect my choice so that, you know, we have had conversations about what that looks like, you know, in terms of drinking in front of me, drinking in front of the children. Um, what that looks like in terms of especially at the beginning, what he drank, because for me, red wine was my favorite. So I think for about six weeks, he only drank kind of beer and cider because it just didn't I didn't see that it didn't bother me at all. Um, and so. Yeah I think you to have an expectation that nothing will change when your couple is probably going to make it very difficult Um, but it's almost like having a respect for each other's choices and that means that they respect your choices too which kind of often gets lost um, in translation so but now I mean I don't miss it I wouldn't want it I I go to Michelin star restaurants I don't have any desire like it it really doesn't bother me because I just know it's the best thing for me it's the best thing for my mental health you know he doesn't have anxiety he doesn't have depression i do so it's just yeah if you love someone it's it's about helping them be their best selves and i think that's just the conversations we've had you know and it took some time it was our way to bond it was our way to it was very much part of our marriage as it was for k2 right as it is for a lot of people
3: so i think there's a couple of things i think when you realize that alcohol isn't working for you for whatever reason there's a lot of fear because you don't actually know what life looks like without it because we are in cultures where it's accepted expected lord you know it's part of the fabric if you like even though that's you know changed actually in terms of the younger generations a lot of people not not doing not doing it but certainly for our generations I'd say Um, so there's this this kind of this kind of fear so it's almost like again it, it goes back to almost like the empty nest thing it's like this is a change right change is hard change is uncomfortable and it's also an opportunity for growth and it's often necessary, right? It's part, it's, and there's nothing we, there's nothing we can do about it it's happening, right? So we've got to find ways to adapt, adapt and thrive. Um, and so for for me, I think the yeah, having those honest conversations, just saying look, and having some compassion for me because it's like okay, okay, this is a bit scary, and having compassion for my husband as well because it's like oh. Really, you're my drinking buddy, and it's like actually, but it's wrecking me. You can get up, and you're fine, and I'm literally a sweating mess on the sofa, unable to function. So you know, yeah, that
1: very much intertwines with you know when you're hitting perimenopause or menopause, hangovers are absolutely evil. Yeah, everything's worse. Everything seems to be intensified. And if I was to do for for me right now, if I was to give up drink, it would be like I'd like to be on that program, look ten years younger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I know that I would feel better, sleep better, probably be less anxious and my skin would probably look better too. So, I mean, there's there's great reasons. Mm, oh, there was one more thing I really wanted to ask. Um, so, Kate, is there a time of the year that you suddenly see a big uptake in clients? When would that be? Because I'm assuming that's all part of your seasonal and solstice calendar. When would that be?
3: I would like to just say, you know, the one thing that we haven't really touched on, but that does relate to your question, is the idea of really having to sort of uncouple alcohol, the idea of alcohol with the treat aspect, you know, and get other sober treats on board, you know. So, because of that, I'd say, so Christmas is obviously a key period. If we look at high days and holidays… Those, that's a, a key because we almost have feel like the normal rules of life have gone out of the window, don't they? It's fine. So we see that sort of around Christmas, New Year. So we can see an upturning client's, you know, the dry January or they'll have done dry January and then gone, that's fine, and then realised they've gone back straight back and it might even be worse. So it could be a little bit after dry January, so around the springtime. And the other period is around this time uh, of year, because then you get the stress the the exhausted parenting kind of juggling on the balls and then trying to get kids back ready to school um that would be another kind of key key sort of sort of stress response to drinking Thank you
1: both so much um so the book again is called "Love Your Sober Year: A Seasonal Guide to Alcohol Free Living Where can People buy the book? Anywhere you get your books, yeah, it sounds like a good place to go and buy them. And how do they find your Love Sober society?
3: Okay, so Love Sober is, is called lovesober.com. They can find, uh, find me there. And Mandy, yours is mandymanners.com. It is, yeah. Great. Right. So
2: thank you. So really, it is about personal choice. We're not dictating to anyone. We're not telling anybody. Not it's preaching. Definitely no, not. It's just,
1: have a think about it.
3: Mm. I think that's really it's a
1: very personal journey isn't it and I think you know key to it is finding the right support and working out whether it's just a habit or whether you are dependent or whether it's a problem and I think really important um that if you do need to seek help that you you go look for it oh gosh yes yeah, definitely yeah and there's lots of resources on our website for that of course there is so um join us next time And do check out on our website these really great alternative drinks. Honestly, hand on heart, I'm okay drinking these. These are good. But I'm loving them. Yeah, www.twowomenchatting.com. Join us next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Women Chatting with our special guests. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review. Even better, share with your friends. And please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. There's a link on our Instagram bio and Facebook pages.
0: the absolute number one benefit is that you start to you you feel able to start to like yourself